Hey, if you would turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27. And last week we started in uh, the Sermon on the Plain, or the Sermon on the Mount, as it's known in Matthew. And we started hearing some of Jesus' teaching. And Jesus' teaching is radical. Jesus' teaching is not like anything that you hear in the world today. Jesus' teaching is very backwards and different uh, to that. Uh, and today, what Jesus is going to address is how we are to love. How we are to love. In John thirteen thirty five, Jesus told his disciples, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. In Jesus' kingdom, in Jesus' world, love is the distinctive. Love is the unique thing. Love is what's meant to separate us and make us distinct and separate from the world. And so today we're going to look at that. What does that love look like? The reality today is this. If you have not been loved by Christ, then you cannot love like this. Because Jesus today is going to call us to love our enemies. Not our family, not our babies, not our friends, not our church. Jesus is going to call us to love our enemies. How can we love our enemies? The only way is if you are in Christ. And God has shown his love for us and that while we were still what? Sinners. While we were still his enemies, Christ died for us. And so that's the point today. And I'm going to say a lot of other words, but that's the point. The point is, if you don't experience Christ's love for you, his enemy, then you cannot love your enemies. Let's look at it together. This is Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27. He says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. Jesus says, but love your enemies and do good. And lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your heavenly Father is merciful. Let me pray. God, I thank you for this truth. And, and though it's hard, and though it's uh, difficult to live out, God, I pray that we would see this morning just how much you have loved us. That when I was your foe, still your love fought for me. God, when I was a sinner and when I was rejecting you, you loved me, your enemy. 
And I pray that your spirit would empower us to love one another, to love our babies, to love our families, to love our church, yes, God, but even to love our enemies like this. And so we love you and pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. And this is, uh, this is hard, all right? But we're going to go through it together, all right? I'm in it with you, all right? Here we go. Look at verse 27. Verse 27, he says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Jesus says, but I say, and he's, he's contrasting what the world says. He says, I'm saying something different. I'm saying something different than what you've heard your whole life, what common uh, wisdom tells you. I'm saying that my kingdom is like this. And he's saying it to those who hear. So we know he's speaking of his disciples. He's speaking of those who are trying to follow him. Remember, there's a lot of people there listening to this. His apostles that are right around him, disciples that are following him, and the crowd that's just kind of keeping him at arm's length. But he's speaking to those who hear, meaning those who are his disciples. And he's laying out, here is the culture of the kingdom. Here is what we're going to be about. It's like a coach when he gets the new job and he gets in front of his team and he says, here's what we're going to be about. We're going to play defense. We're going to take charges. We're going we're to hustle. Whatever the culture of that team is, Jesus comes to his team and he says, this is what our culture is going to be. Now, it has nothing to do with charges or defense or hustle, right? What is the culture of his team? Here's what he says. Love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. He tells us to love. Uh, you've seen this before, no doubt. Uh, but in, in Greek, there's four words that we translate as love. And love means all kinds of things in our culture. I love tacos and I love my family. Those are obviously not the same thing, right? So love can mean all sorts of different things in our world. So let's, let's just think about this for a second. There's a word, storge, which means natural affection, like, like I have for tacos. This is natural affection. I didn't try to love tacos. I just love tacos, all right? I, didn't, I don't have to try. Tacos present themselves. I love them, right? Second is eros, and that's romantic love. That's a feeling, and that may not come right away, but that's a feeling of romance, right? That's, that's between a husband and a wife. Philia is the, the love of friendship, right? Like true, real friends that we love, that we care about, we do anything for, right? That's philia. And that's not, none of those are what Jesus says. He uses the word agape. And agape is a steadfast, sacrificial, unconditional, no strings attached kind of love. It is the highest form of love. It is it is. The standard by which we are to love. And so this is what we're called to. Not storge. We're not called to natural affection. We're not called to romantic. We're not called to friendship even. We're called to steadfast, sacrificial love for who? It'd be easy right here if it was love your spouse or love those who love you, right? Well, what does Jesus say? He says, love your enemies. Now, before we, because when I say that word enemies, you're picturing people in your mind. I know you are, right? People that did you wrong at work, people that didn't do the business deal, people that said something mean behind your back, and that's not necessarily what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is saying, love your enemies. And his, the enemies in this context 
is just what he said. The people that hate you and exclude you and revile you on account of the Son of Man. So he's talking about people that hate us because of our faith. This is not just your work enemy or your, your arch nemesis in sports. That's not what he's saying. The context is about... Now, let's think about Judaism first. Here's from a commentary I read this week. He says, first, this is John MacArthur, he says, first century Judaism was narrow, exclusive, intolerant, and hence largely loveless and condemning. Hatred of their enemies, especially Gentiles, those who weren't Jews, was elevated to the status of a spiritual virtue. And what he's saying is this, is that hatred had become the norm even among God's people, even among Jews. They hated Gentiles. They hated those who were not like them. And this is true of our world, right? It doesn't take that long on the news. It doesn't take that long in a school district. It doesn't take that long in a business to see that hatred is our norm. Hatred of one another, dividing based on differences. And Jesus says, we're not going to be like that. We are going to love our enemies. Now, all of this is very unnatural. All of this is backwards. When we read this, you go, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't fit. That's not the way I like to operate. This is unnatural in our flesh. And so the point today is this. You can't love like this unless you've been loved like this. Unless you've realized how much you were God's enemy. And God sent Jesus to die in my place. You can't love your enemies until you see that. Jesus is going to put real practical uh, terms today on what this love looks like. Because I think for us, so many times, love is a feeling. And uh, let me just say, he's not going to talk about our feelings at all today. Right? He's going to talk about how we live and what we do. So here's the five things Jesus is going to say. That this is how disciples of Jesus are going to show agape love. Number, fir- number, number first. <laughs> Got a lot going on in my brain. Number one, agape, disciples of Jesus love by doing good. Number two, by blessing them with our words. Number three, by praying for them genuinely. Number four, by giving generously to them. And number five, by thinking of others foremost. Let's look at each one. First, disciples of Jesus show agape love by doing good to others. That's what he says. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Love is not a feeling. Agape love is not a feeling. Eros may be. But love is a verb. It is an action. It is a movement. It it signifies doing something for somebody. It's not just feeling things for them. It's helping them, caring for them, serving them. Love is a verb. And who does he tell us to do these good things to? Those who are doing bad things to us. He says do this to everyone, but do it specifically to your enemies. Now, here is the common, natural flesh mindset that the Jews had that we have in our flesh. I'm going to treat people how they treat me. So if you love me, I'll love you. If you're loyal to me, I'll be loyal to you. If you do good to me, then I'll do good to you because I think you'll do good back to me, and then I'll do good back to you, right? You see this? This is how we think. We also think the negative. 
If you're mean to me, then I get to be mean to you. If you gossip about me, then I get to gossip about you. If you're unkind to my family, then I get to be unkind to your family. This is how we live in the flesh. And the Jews had even set this up in their legal system, right? It was called eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. If you poke my out, my eye out, that's hard to say, poke my eye out, I get to poke your eye out. That's fair. If you pull my tooth out, I don't know what the tooth was about, but if you pull my tooth out, I get to pull your tooth out. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. It's equitable retaliation. Jesus said, don't. They hate you, don't hate them back. Do good to them. Love them anyways. Jesus is not commanding us to feel a certain way. You probably have no control over how you feel. But you do have control over what you do. And Jesus tells us, don't worry about the feeling. Do something. Love them. Second, look at verse 28. He says, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. This is the second thing. Disciples of Jesus show agape love by blessing them with our words. Anybody ever been spoken evil of against behind your back? No one's raising their hand, but I know you all have. Anybody ever been cursed? Anybody ever been dragged down in the mud when you didn't deserve it? Yes, every single one of us. Jesus says, when they curse you, bless them. You see how unnatural that is? You see how backwards that is? Like, no, no, no. The right, normal, worldly response is curse them back. Get them back. Drag their name through the mud. But Jesus says, no. When they curse you, bless them. This doesn't mean that we don't speak the truth, okay? This doesn't mean that we back down from convictions in our words, but what this does mean is that we have a filter. Now, some of you, just kidding, uh, totally kidding. <laughs> some of us have a better filter than others, and some of us just say whatever pops into our mouth, especially if you give us a microphone, right? Some of it just flows out. Right? What he's saying here is, we have to learn to filter. We have to learn to not curse, not respond, not equally retaliate back at them. No, we filter out the ungracious, ungodly, unthoughtful thoughts that we have. We don't turn them into words. We let them stay and we repent of that in our head and we bless them with our words. One of the major ways that we love is how we speak to people and about people in front of them and behind them. Third, disciples of Jesus show agape love by praying for others genuinely. That's what he says. He says, pray for those who abuse you. So he's telling us to pray for those who are our enemies and even those who, in this context, have abused us. Now let me, let me just, because that, that word carries a lot of uh, meaning in our day, abuse. Let me just be clear because I think we understand what pray, pray means. But he says, pray for those who abuse you. Jesus is talking in a context about religious persecution. Those who hurt you because of your connection to the Son of Man. Those who, who malign you because you claim to be a Christian. Those who hurt you and abuse you, right? You see this? So Jesus is not saying, 
Wives, if you're being abused by your husband, just stay quiet, deal with it, it'll be okay. I don't think that's the context of what Jesus is saying at all. Right? So, wives, if you're, by all means, pray for that man. But you do not have to stay and take that abuse, okay? This is a complex issue, and I got 30 seconds to address it. Right? But abuse is... This, this does not, Jesus is not saying, just be quiet and pray. Yes, do pray. It's okay to take a stance and to get out of abuse, not to just continue to take it. These are complicated situations that require lots more biblical thought, lots more wise counsel than just what I'm saying right now. But what Jesus is addressing, when people malign you and abuse you and hurt you because you claim my name, pray. Pray because it's the enemy at work. Pray because you want to see them redeemed. You want to see them come to the truth. You want to see them come to know God. Because that's why we're praying for our enemies. We don't hate them because they're different than us. We don't hate them because they're a Democrat or because they're a Republican. We don't hate them just because they're whatever. Jesus says pray for them. Love them enough genuinely to pray for them. Look at verse 29. He says, to the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Now, this is a little bit hard because we don't have cloaks and tunics. Uh, We live in a different day than this. But what Jesus is saying is that one of the ways we show agape love is by our generosity. Is by our generosity. And really what Jesus is getting at is this whole idea of retaliation or revenge. When we get hurt, what do we do? We just want to lash out. We just want to take revenge. We just want to claim our rights and get back what's ours and exact vengeance on our enemies. And Jesus says, when they hurt you, don't. When they take from you, give more. Now, I think it's important, again, context here. Jesus is not saying that we are doormats, that we never defend ourselves. This is not anti-Second Amendment, okay? I know a bunch of, just kidding, got a whole bunch of you in the room packing right now. Uh, Jesus is not addressing how we respond to an intruder in our house. That's not what he's talking about here. He's not talking about somebody attacks my wife at the grocery store Well, here's my kid too, right? That's not what he's saying. (laughs) Sorry. That is not. (laughs) Do I get to pick the kid? I'm just kidding. Okay. Uh, The Bible absolutely promotes the idea. uh, We do not have to submit ourselves to unjust treatment, okay? God is a God of justice, God is a God who does not like the powerful uh, exerting their, their pain and misery on the weak. That is, that is anti-biblical. So there's absolutely a place to defend yourself, okay? What's he talking about? And we've got to start turning our minds here to Jesus at the end of his life. Because I think that's what he has in mind here. When he's, he already knows where he's headed. And when he stands before trial, what does he do? He gets slapped. And he shuts his mouth and he turns the other cheek. They take his robe and he stands there and then they take his tunic too. 
right? When Jesus at the end of his life is loving his enemies the most, this is what he does, right? And so Jesus is saying we should be like him as hard as this feels, right? Love will cost us something. It costs a lot sometimes to love people. It costs a lot of sacrifice and giving and generosity and care. And we may not always get it back in return. And I think that's what Jesus is saying. Love is not always fair. Love is not always equal. We don't always get back what we put into it. Love like this, like Jesus is going to love us, cost us something. Not everyone's going to respect our boundaries and give us back our cloak. That's what he's saying. Love will cost us something, and it costs Jesus a lot more than a tunic and a cloak. It cost him his life to love us, his enemies. Agape love is lopsided. It's not fair. It makes no sense in our world where we think we've got to have equity and fairness. No, it wasn't fair that Jesus had to die in my place. That's not fair. That's not fair at all. But that is the standard of agape love. Look at verse 31. He says, And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. So the fifth way that disciples of Jesus show agape love is by thinking of others foremost. We're thinking of others foremost. It doesn't mean that we don't think of ourselves, but we are thinking of others foremost. Now notice, Jesus doesn't say, don't do what you would hate others doing to you, right? It's a very selfish perspective of this commandment. Just try to stay away from things that you wouldn't like being done to you. Certainly true, and we should live that way. But that is a very selfish, uh, me-centered perspective on this. He says, do to others what you would have done to you. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And so our mindset, when when we're consumed with this agape love, loving our enemies, loving like Christ loves, we are thinking of other people first. If you have little kids, then you understand how hard this is. <laughs> little kids, as cute and as beautiful and as wonderful as they are, are the height of selfishness, right? right? Little kids do not think about others. When you go to open a door, where do they stand? Right where the door opens. Anybody notice this? You got to open a door. Where's the little kid going to stand? Right where the door opens. They're not thinking about everybody else. Little kids leave their stuff all over my house. I mean, our houses. (laughs) They're not thinking about the fact that we, somebody else lives there. Little kids demand food and drink at all hours of the day. Whether it's convenient for us or not. The height of immaturity is selfishness. Right? And Jesus says, don't be like that. Think of others first. Agape love is selfless. It's, it's sacrificial. It's others-centered. It's more concerned with, with others than what we get. 
And agape love is not dependent on whether someone loves me back. It says, I will love you no matter what. If you've been married, then you understand this as well. You don't realize how selfish you really are until you get married. Until you all of a sudden have to think about someone else in your day. You can't just live for whatever you want to do. You've got to consider what they want, what they like, what TV shows they enjoy, where they like to eat or don't like to eat, or what they like to eat, where they want to go on trips, all that stuff. You think the whole world is about you, and then you get married. And to a person in here, we realize, wow, I'm a selfish little sinner. And so many people struggle in marriage because they never get over selfishness. And they make it all about them and what they get out of it and what their, if their needs are being met. We love storge marriage and eros marriage, right? We don't really love agape marriage. We like natural attraction and feelings of love. And when things are going really well, those are, that's awesome. But if we're going to have marriages that last, if we're going to have a church that lasts, if we're going to have... God's kingdom that lasts, it's going to take each one of us not living like that. Not selfishly, but agape love. Look at verse 32. Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. And Jesus begins to contrast. Okay, this, is, this is what agape love looks like, doing good, blessing others, all these things, right? And he says, but don't love like the world loves. Don't do it in this way. And he says, they love those who love them. They're, they give to those who give to them, right? Jesus says... That the world's love is reciprocal. It's equal. It's fair and balanced, right? And if you love me, then I'll love you. If you're kind to me, I'll be kind to you. And Jesus says, what credit is that if we do the same? Like, let's think about the most extreme example this morning. Hitler. Hitler loved his men. Hitler loved the Gestapo. Hitler loved those who were loyal to him, right? I'm sure was great reward. There was great affection. There was great camaraderie between those people. Should we get credit for loving those who are like us? Hitler did that. That's a pretty low standard. Right? I think that's what Jesus is saying. The worst people in the world love their allies. Do we, should we really think that's, wow, we've really done something because I love those who love me. I love my kids. I love my wife, right? Jesus is saying, no, no, no. My standard for what love is is so much greater. Love is sacrifice. Love is, is unequal. Love is generous. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. Love is selfless, not selfish. Love really is a choice. Right? It's not a feeling. <laughs> I don't feel love for those who hate me. But I am called to do love and to show love. Remember what Jesus said. He said, they will know you're my disciples by your what? Your love, 
Not your feelings, not your, 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 but by how you care for one another, although that's true. He's saying they will know that you're different and that you're mine because you actually love who? The outsider. This is the whole point of the book of Luke, is that the gospel is for everyone, not just those that are on the inside, not just those that we really like and get along with. The gospel is for everyone. Look at verse 35. He says, but love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the most high for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil one. Why do we love like this? This is the point of the whole sermon. Because we have been loved like this. Because the Son of God loved his enemies. And we're being made to be sons of God. And we are to love our enemies. If we're in Christ, then we're to look like Christ. And what Christ did, he loved his enemies. Each one of us. This is God's character. Look at verse 36. He says, be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Being merciful means we don't give people what they deserve. And what they deserve is being cursed and being mean to, right? Because that's what they did to us. He says, we are merciful as our Heavenly Father is merciful. We are kind to people when they don't deserve it. That's the point. We love people when they don't deserve it. That's the point. Because we have had our Heavenly Father be merciful to us and not give us what we deserve, we extend that mercy and that grace to other people regardless of how they treat us. Kids are meant to look like their parents. And if we're going to claim to be sons of God, daughters of God in Christ, adopted into his family, then we should look like our Father in heaven who is merciful and kind, and gracious, and loves his enemies. Man, what a challenge. What a difficult text to even process. I hope this morning two things, and then we're going to close in a final song. One, I hope that if you've never experienced love like this, that you would. If you don't know the love of God for you, shown to us in Jesus, I hope this morning that you would see that. That even though we were sinners, even though we were his enemies, even though we were rebels against God, going our own way, doing our own thing, God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross in our place, the punishment we rightfully deserved. And he says that anyone who puts their faith in me can be saved. I hope if you don't know love like that, that this morning you would. Now for, this, for the rest of us who do know love like that, and we all have ways we need to be better. And how we love one another. And so I wanted you to just pause for a second. The the, the worship team is going to come forward. And I just want you to think about this for a sec. And how do I need to love better? Don't just think about your enemies. Think about your spouses, your kids, your friends, your community, your work people. How, How can you love each us in this room, our church, better? How can we love those who are not a part of us better? How am I showing that? Right? So I want you to just take a minute and one, be reminded of how much God has loved you and then pray that God would show you opportunities to love. So just take a minute where you're at and then I'll close this in prayer in a second. God, forgive us because we all fall short. 
And even though we, our sins are forgiven, if we're in you, God, I, God, we still fall short. And we choose to live in selfishness and retaliation and revenge, not in love. God, and so I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit, God, would convict us where we are not loving, where we are not being kind, where we're standing on our right to revenge. And I pray that we would instead choose to love. God, whether we feel that or not, I pray that you would help us to love our families better, help us to love our community better, help us to love our church better. God, but even more, God, as a church, I pray that you would help us to love those who are outside those who don't know love like this. God, and may they know you because of the love that we show them. I pray for all the places that each one of these people go this week, to work, to stores, to families, to houses, to places of power and influence and places of insignificance. God, I pray that we would be a people that is known by our love for others because we have been greatly loved. So we love you, God. Help us to love you more. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen.